0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, January 24th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. The COVID pandemic may not yet be done with schools. Cato's Neil McCluskey details some of the new challenges presented by the pandemic and the natural policy fallout. But he also says 2022 might be another banner year for educational freedom. 2021 has been commemorated, memorialized, I don't know what you'd call it, as the year of school choice. Given the Omicron wave and states now trying to implement new or uh, expanded school choice programs,
1: what are some of your expectations? Well, so 2021 became the year of school choice, almost certainly uh, because of public schools response to the COVID-19 pandemic um, and the frustration that that created among Parents, certainly, but I think sort of other people, you know, regular citizens thinking, why aren't our schools that we all pay for more responsive? So you got to go back to the 2020-2021 school year um, where things were first a big debate was, are we even going to be open? Should schools be open in person? Should everybody be online? Uh, And what we have found was, well, what we saw at the time was a lot of people did not want to have their kids learning exclusively on a computer. They wanted them in person. And many school districts said, no, we're not going to open in person. It's too dangerous, or the teachers' union won't let us, or any number of reasons. And so a lot of people who wanted in-person education couldn't get it. And that created a whole bunch of frustration. Then you get into the current school year, the 2021-2022 school year. But it started right off the bat with, look, most school districts said, okay, we're going to go in person because... Everybody was mad at us if we weren't in person. And we saw that there was very little learning happening. So test scores have come out that have shown uh, kids made very little progress when they were online. So the school said we're going to meet in person, but you're going to all have to wear masks. And that was the next big conflict oh, that was generated by COVID-19 as. Is- do your kids have to wear masks in schools or not? And so parents got even angrier in many cases and more frustrated. But it all became part of one big sort of theme, which is we want the best education we can get for our kids. And the school districts keep staying in our way and the school boards keep staying in our way. And we go to school board meetings. And as you've seen, you know, probably seen a lot of the footage, people very angry in school board meetings. We tell them what bothers us. We feel very frustrated. We want them to respond to us. And we feel like they just don't do it. They give us our two minutes of public comment. They nod, they say thank you for your comment, and then they just sort of ignore it and do whatever it is they want to do. So the main driver of these major increases in school choice, it's around 20 states had new or expanded school choice programs in 2021. Um the main driver was frustration over COVID nineteen, but you also have a lot of these other frustrations: critical race theory, um, transgender athletes. Uh, you know, what sports are they allowed to play? All these things sort of bubble up into just generalized frustration that drive a lot of school choice uh, legislation. I kind of feel sorry for
0: public school systems in January of twenty twenty two, because after all of the the fights and uh, the expansion of school choice. And now this Omicron wave has left, at least in my area, such uh, dramatically lowered staffing. Even if people aren't being admitted to hospitals, they are quarantining for a few days and they're having to shut down all over again. And uh, so for a lot of schools, that's a big problem. And I, I feel like parents broadly aren't uh giving them a mulligan on this particular point at this particular time.
1: Yeah, I mean I maybe I was just wearing rose-colored glasses, but six months ago or so, I thought, you know, we're behind. We have closures behind us. We're going to still still have debates about masks, but we're not going to be looking in any sort of uh, widespread situation where schools are having to close to in-person education again. And, uh, you know, so like a lot of people, I did not anticipate an Omicron-type variation where suddenly you have a very... um uh Quickly spreading variant of COVID. Um, and people say, look, it's so much easier to get now than it used to be that we have to go back to uh, having education virtually. Now, what's interesting is absolutely i should I should say, we should I think all have sympathy for school boards and people who run schools, and that's public schools, private schools. I mean, these are very difficult decisions to make without a lot of precedent. But one of the mistakes that school boards and school districts made was something we see a lot. They overreacted, sort of fighting the last war, where they saw that people were upset about virtual education and many school districts perhaps the you know the biggest clearly is new york city and they happen to do this as well they said for this coming school year we will not allow schools to have virtual education so cuz everybody or so many people were mad about virtual education last year we're not going to permit it. And now we're all in a situation where, you know, it's reasonable to say, well, we should probably take a couple of weeks or, you know, where we have virtual education, not in person. And you have places in New York City in particular said, you know what? There's no way we could get virtual education running for at least six months because we told everybody you cannot have that. So while we need to have sympathy with the system, with school districts and school board members. We also have to recognize that politicians and policymakers have a tendency to overreact to things, send a message that they think is popular, and then not be able to adjust when situations change. And even though I also didn't think we were going to go back to a ch- to a situation where we'd all have to be virtual, or lots of kids would be, we knew it was a possibility, and we also knew from the beginning that some people need in-person education more than others. Some need virtual more than others. You know, if you have uh, a member of your, well, if your child is immunocompromised, they may very well need to stay online. If there's a member of the family that they go home to that is you know, has lots of risk, risk factors, they may need virtual. And so we should have been learning to build choice in from the beginning. And public schools could have done this. They could have kept some online options. They could have kept some in-person options. So while we should be sympathetic to the plight of school board members and districts and people who run schools, because this is hard, we also need to recognize they failed again when they said, we're not going to let you have choice. And when you see the wild swings from last year, it was, we're going to require you to be virtual to, well, oh, we see you didn't like this. So this coming year, we're going to say you're not allowed to be virtual. That's just a terrible mistake that politicians make, but that if people had school choice and could work from the bottom up, you wouldn't see that. Yeah, the problem
0: is the broad sweeping mandate, no matter what it says, right? Yes,
1: the broad sweeping mandate and the whip sawing from where we're going to overreact with the mandate on this side, and if you really don't like it and you get really mad at us, we'll just overreact in the direction you seem to want us to go in. (laughs) It seems unlikely that 2022
0: will be, just by virtue of the size of the move toward choice, it seems unlikely that 2022 will match it. But we will begin to have some information about how various states are trying to implement it, how parents look at it, what uh, new polling might say throughout the year uh, this year about uh, school choice. What are you looking for?
1: Well, um, it will be hard to have as many states uh, create new programs or expand programs as we saw in 2021, but I'm not exactly sure we can't beat that. We already see lots of school, uh, of states um, where there are proposals for even more school choice, um, for the coming legislative sessions um and certainly it is clear that there is now a lot of demand for school choice so I don't think we're going to hit the point we were at before, but we might. And the other thing we're seeing is a lot of legislation for transparency, the idea that, well, you should know what your public schools are teaching, that, you know, you should know whether or not critical race theory is in your curriculum. You should know uh, how math is taught and things like that. And the natural progression from transparency from you know telling people what is in their public schools is then enabling them to act on it and that again means school choice so it, certainly there are some state legislators governors who really think that transparency is an end unto itself and it's certainly better than you know not having transparency but it really does mean ultimately you've got to let people act on that and and that's what That means school choice. And we don't see the discussion about school choice abating. We see lots of places where they expanded and you have legislators say, now let's expand again, because this is the direction we clearly need to go in. So maybe 2022 could give 2021 a run for its money.
0: In terms of uh, data that you follow in K-12 education, is there something in particular that you'll be paying attention to this year?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, we always track values and identity-based conflicts in schools, so the reason we have as much school choice expansion as we got in 2021, rather, was um, almost certainly mainly because of COVID, but these values and identity-based conflicts were very big news, and also fed into parental frustration. And uh, I try and constantly drum into people's heads that the way to avoid these wrenching, divisive conflicts that really tear us apart, make us kind of ugly toward our neighbors and do nothing to bring us together is let people choose the education they think is best for their kids. Let them choose schools based on the policies they have, the curricula they teach, so that we don't all have to enter into zero-sum battles to decide if I want my child to learn something, that means yours has to as well, because we both have to go to this school district. Um, I will be continuing to track those numbers. 2021 was a record year. We'll probably have have a backlog of these conflicts to put in, but we'll probably have about 335 of these. Many of them are at state level. That just totally eclipses past years. So we'll track that. And I think we'll be seeing um, more achievement more testing data on how students, what have they learned, how have they progressed or not progressed uh, under COVID. And I, my suspicion is um, you'll see better scores than you saw for the last school year where almost everybody was virtual, but not by a whole lot because we've had this big interruption um, from Omicron. We also had, even before that, uh, kind of really depressed Attendance in many schools because even before Omicron, throughout COVID 19, there have been a lot of parents who really think that it is too dangerous to send their child to in-person schooling, even when we've had kind of those low marks of, of, you know, little spread of, of COVID, they said, it's still dangerous. It's still out there. I don't feel like I can maybe trust other kids to be masked. I can't trust that the kids will wear masks properly. Uh, And so even in the best of times under COVID, we've had these depressed turnouts. So we're also, will expect to see more, Uh, very depressing achievement data coming out for, you know, another school year. Neil McCluskey
0: directs the Cato Institute Center for Educational Freedom. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.